Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This 10th year of Daily Tech News Show is made possible by its listeners. Thanks to all of you, including Pelle Glendale, Dr. X17, Adam Green, and our new patron, Adrian. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome. On this episode of DTNS, DTNS, Apple says, try our product, you know, the existing product that we have already that you should buy. EVs are also having a marketing or pricing or maybe both issue, and we break down what OpenAI announced at its very first dev day. This is the Daily Tech News for Monday, November 6th. 2023. From Studio Secret Bunker, I'm Sarah Lane. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm Rob Dunwood. And from close to your nation's capital, your boy, Big Chris Ashley. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Chris Ashley, so good to have you on the show again. And I seem to recall having a pretty fun show the last time you, Rob, and I were on the show together. Definitely had a great time. It was definitely a Yeah, so uh, let's do it again, shall we? Starting with the quick hits. Meta announced it has 1 million paid subscriptions to creators on Instagram, which is a relatively small portion of Instagram's 2 billion monthly users. Meta will also start adding subscribe buttons at the top of applicable posts, and creators will be able to offer 30-day free trials, and Instagram is adding a tool to let creators DM new subscribers in bulk to chat with them. Elon Musk announced Sunday that his artificial intelligence startup XAI will be integrated into a social media platform X and also be available as a standalone app. Musk also said XAI released its first AI model, a bot called Grok, which was released to X Premium Plus subscribers on Friday. XAI is working on AI tools that assist humanity in its quest for understanding and knowledge, and Grok has been designed to answer questions with a bit of wit. Epic Games was in court again on Monday in San Francisco. This is the latest in the case of Epic School to do away with Apple and Google taking a cut of sales through their mobile app marketplaces. In Epic's case, specifically Epic's sales. Previously, the company was unsuccessful in most of its claims in a similar but different case against Apple in 2021 and also failed that appeal earlier this year, at which point it petitioned the Supreme Court. 
Discord tells bleeping computer that it will start marking links to hosted files uh, and they're going to refresh every 24 hours. So and that's going to happen by the end of this year. Discord says this will fight the spread of malware on the platform since that gives it more ability to restrict access to flagged content. MediaTek announced its latest mobile processor, the Dimensity 9300, with flagship performance, AI power, and multimedia capabilities. High-end Android smartphones and tablets are the target market for the 9300, which includes a new all-big-core CPU design for faster speeds, a re-engineered GPU for on-device AI, and boosted media engine for cinematic video capture. MediaTek says the chip will show up in smartphones before the end of the year, which is notable because it's around the same time for Qualcomm's Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 to also show up in devices. All right, y'all. It's not a big secret that electric vehicles aren't selling as well as the automotive industry thought that they would. So manufacturers like GM, Ford, Honda, and others have lowered some estimates on the number of EVs that they expect to produce in 2024 and the amount of money that they will invest in EV research and development going forward. One of the main reasons for slower-than-expected EV adoption is prices, because EV prices are typically higher than what some consumers are willing to pay. But Tesla, according to Reuters, is addressing this with plans for a... 25,000 euro or 27,000 US dollars model two, right, Rob? Absolutely. So in a visit to Tesla's Berlin Gigafactory Friday, where the Model 2 would be initially produced, Elon Musk reportedly told staff about the plans. He did not say when production would begin, but Tesla has briefly hinted at production um, coming potentially in, uh, you know, in the next year. Could come as early as 2024. Uh, Currently, the cheapest EV Tesla sales is $39,000. That's that's on the Model 3. So, Chris, you purchased a Ford F-150 Lightning last year, and I'm and it costs significantly more than $27,000. So my question to you is, do you think that an EV this inexpensive would get any traction more than they're getting right now? Well, define significantly more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Twice as much? Let's start there. Three so, times as much? That's a little closer. But uh, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. But, you know, as a person that is definitely has his eye open for a second uh, EV uh, vehicle for the house, my, you know, my daughter's uh, turning 16 in the next couple of years. Uh, so definitely I'd like to get her a vehicle. I would love not to buy a gas vehicle for her. I, I think uh, this is a great move by them uh, to to bring. They've been talking about it for a while to get the, you know, get these prices under control and get something out there to for mass adoption. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of shocking to me, actually, that they're that they would be the first ones to do this because you would think the other manufacturers are have the capacity to, you know, to create a loss leader, even if they wanted to. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely look at anything they created in that price range for sure. Yeah, oh, I mean, so, I, I wonder. How, sorry, Rob. Uh, I, I wonder how much. uh Tesla being the company that let's just say this comes to fruition. I can buy a $27,000 model two sooner than later. Does, does 
Elon Musk have anything to do with this? Probably not. I don't know. I mean, I, I think if you if you if you like a vehicle, you you trust uh, the company behind it, um, and you maybe look the other way when it comes to you know the the person who's at the helm. And by the way, not everybody hates Elon Musk, so I'm not speaking for you know anybody except myself. I might have some pause. I also know that there have been other companies. In fact, we talk about, talked about a couple of them last week who say, you know, we just can't figure out how to make an EV that is in this price range work for us on our assembly line. So we're going to, you know, go back to the drawing board and try again. But, you know, no soup for you. So there's a couple of things. And, you know, one, one of the points I always make when talking about why don't people buy EVs? They're, they're readily available is because they're they cost more. And there are there are a lot of people who buy automobiles because they need an automobile. But no one in the at least in North America has ever bought an electric vehicle because they needed one. They bought it because they wanted it. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because the uh, the electric vehicles are, you know, they're substantially more expensive in, in most cases. I mean, we, we've been getting better, but they still cost significantly more. So 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 that, that that's a big deal when you know you're talking about you know cars that are already expensive and it's like okay well this one's going to cost 9 grand more 13 grand more just to have batteries in it and I don't know that I'm going to be able to potentially resell it for the same amount that if I were to buy you know a, a, an automobile with a fuel combustion engine in it those are a lot of factors for people who need cars are are going to look at so I'm thinking that the $27,000, they're probably going to move uh, you know, a bunch of these because, you know, as you said, Sarah, there's a lot of folks who if Elon Musk wasn't at the top of Tesla, they wouldn't even be considering them. The, the, you know, that whatever company he was running, that's what they would look at because there's just as many folks who like them as dislike them. So I don't know yeah. that that's going to affect a lot of people on the low end one way or the other. But I do think that you will see more people start to look because now this $27,000 car should say twenty seven, yeah, $27,000 or 25,000 euro car doesn't cost significantly more than something in the same frame. And just one last point um, to Chris's point. Um, cars, they, we've been making cars on assembly lines for over 100 years. The margins are really, really tight. So I can see Tesla doing this because they just don't have all of that baggage that a lot of the, you know, the traditional Legacy GMs and Fords, yeah. they have that, you know, where, where they, they're making these cars on such tight margins that they just can't make any money. Um, Tesla can still do that. Yeah, you know the I, I walk like I said I welcome this uh, big time because I, I really want to see people get into these cars because I can't tell you I, I still get stopped I still get asked tons of questions about my truck all the time but uh, quite a few times and obviously this is anecdotal but quite a few times people are like yeah I'd love to switch they're just too expensive for me so you know mm. it, it's definitely a thing that. Uh, that is a barrier for many, many people that want to switch. Cause oftentimes we think that people are just in one camp or the other, right there combustion or electric and that's it. But there are certain people that are stuck in one because you know, it's just not in their budget to go the other direction. What about the second market? I mean, I know <laughs> it's not totally what our conversation is about, but Chris, if you were to sell your F one fifty lightning, I know you're not going to, but have you have you kind of dipped your toe into what sort of resale market is out there? I have not because it has absolutely unequivocally never crossed my mind. But <laughs> I will say this. When I bought my truck, 
and I was about to leave, the general manager of the store came out and said, if you don't want it uh, after a week, bring it back. I'll give you 10000 more than you paid for it. Whoa. <laughs> oh, and I don't know if that's still the case today, but, you know, I, I imagine that there's probably still a good um, of markup availability uh-huh. there yeah. in the resale yeah. because, the, you know, the, the F-150 Lightnings, even though I'm seeing more and more, they're still not as prevalent. As, as I'm sure Ford would like them to be. Well, moving on to Apple, uh, another company that likes people to buy their products. Uh, Apple PR rep, uh, this is kind of an unusual story, told The Verge over the weekend that the company will not be making an Apple Silicon version of the 27-inch iMac. That would replace the Intel chip model that it discontinued in 2022. And you might say, but don't iMacs already have the uh you know m3 chip apple says it's focusing the imac line on the 24 inch model it released early 2021 initially updated with the new m3 processor this fall the rep who spoke to the verge starling Meza, says buyers who really want a 27 inch model should consider buying the studio display and mac studio or mac mini so obviously, if you do the numbers, that option is a lot more expensive than the all-in-one design of the iMac and also just, you know, has more components overall. Now, Apple doesn't normally respond to rumors. This is unusual. Has a lot of folks wondering, making some bets on whether this means Apple's working on some other size of iMac with Apple Silicon that it hasn't uh, announced yet. I think that's a pie in the sky or just wants to move some merchandise after a bit of a lackluster quarter. What do y'all so, say? So here's the thing. Um, I paid attention to Apple's uh, quarterly earnings call last week and the quarter before that and the quarter before that and probably the six before that. And if it's not called an iPhone, they're not selling a lot. Um, you know, the, the numbers have just been going down and down and down. So a problem that Apple is having right now is excess inventory. They don't want to put out new hardware that is going to cannibalize existing hardware that they have. And they also don't want people who are looking to buy something today to have that. Oh, maybe I should just wait until the M3 version comes out. They want you to go ahead and buy what they have on their shelf right now. So they're letting you know we're not going to have anything new on the shelf in a few months. This is what you have if you want a 27 inch. And if you really want to have an iMac with an M3, you're going to get the 24 that we you know, have in the M2 and the M3 variant that they just announced you know, a week or so ago. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, you'd love to beat companies up on stuff like this. But the reality is, you know, why make something or even have the hint of something coming out that's going to stifle the sales of what you already have, especially if you truly don't have any plans of developing that size. So as much as people may want uh, to, you know, that in-between size, if Apple's not feeling it, it's just not going to happen. So uh, it, it makes perfect sense to me to just nip that in the bud. I mean, I've got a, a Asus monitor I'm looking at right now that is 28 inches. I don't think it's 27. It's 28. Uh, I would not be able to go smaller for this particular setup that we're doing right now. What What does everybody else have? I'm using a 32-inch monitor here and a 15-inch monitor there and a 29-inch monitor turned vertical right here. Okay, fine, so I've just got Rob, all kind of win. I've got all kind of uh, radio you know radioactivity coming into my eyeballs. But um, you know what <laughs> what Apple doesn't want to do they're not really moving 
those uh you know those big displays they're not really moving the minis right now they're not really moving uh you know the studios they they want to move the hardware that they have so they know if they come out with that you know that 28 inch device that you know the one that people are really into they know that's going to sell but it's just going to canalize what they already have on the shelf yeah i'm staring at the samsung odyssey uh g9 and this thing is absolutely disgustingly awesome so uh, what and can, what is the size of it? Oh, it's a forty-nine inch. Uh, oh, it's a, it's a curved monitor. So it's, all right, uh, y'all. I mean, I didn't even like. <laughs> I feel like I just like punted this to everybody. Like, hey, I have a pretty big monitor. What about everyone else? And they're like, Rob's like, I have four. Chris is I like, was, I have the largest monitor you've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to get that Johnny Mnemonic display where I just have a wall of TVs and monitors, you know, pumping radiation into me. Oh, yeah, totally, I like, totally. I was like, oh, that's yeah. so cute. Those monitors are cute. This thing is awesome. Oh boy. Yeah. Well. All right. So, um, you know, Apple's yeah, Apple is uh, entering a. We'll see what happens in its next earnings. And Rob, yeah. I know you will be following that as well, uh, as will we all. Um, but uh, yeah, it seems like a bit of a, you know, it's a it's a trough quarter. Um, and uh, yeah, the company yeah. says, hey, yeah, if you want to buy more of our stuff, buy the expensive stuff <laughs> on the shelves. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk later. So what do you want to hear us talk about on the show? One way to let us know is on our subreddit. So submit your stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. 
Well, news moves fast on a Monday. Today on Daily Tech Headlines, I passed along news that OpenAI was readying a new Chet GPT update. This was according to some leaks and some rumors. According to screenshots and videos seen by The Decoder, OpenAI would have a new marketplace where users can share their chatbot or browse those made by others. SEO Tools developer Tibor Blaho shared a video of the UI for the feature, demonstrating a GPT builder option, letting users enter a prompt. An example read, make a creative who helps generate visuals for new products to create a chatbot. And it sounds like, Rob, this is this is a real thing. It is, because now we know more as OpenAI officially announced viable GPTs as its first ever Dev Day conference in San Francisco, accessible through the GPT store. The company says eventually it plans to pay creators an unspecified amount based on how much their GPTs are used. They'll be available to paying ChatGPT Plus subscribers and OpenAI Enterprise customers who can make internal-only GPTs for their employees. OpenAI has also announced a faster, cheaper GPT-4, lower prices for developers using its model in their apps and shared that GPT has reached 100 million weekly users. Chris, where do you stand on all this buy someone else's GPT spectrum? I actually love the idea of that, and I think it makes perfect sense both from a customer uh, standpoint as well as a just a product management standpoint. Um, oftentimes when you've got a group of people that are kind of deep, deep inside uh, technology that they're developing, you start to develop this group thinking, you start to develop this tunnel vision. And it's natural, but it prevents you from seeing some of the fringe cases that could, you know, that or issues that people don't know exist, but everybody has. And so those are like the gem scenarios that you try to come across where it's like, oh, there's a problem that's out there. People didn't even realize they had it. But now that it's been exposed and we can solve it with this chat GPT, now everybody wants to use it. Uh, so when you start expanding the capabilities for folks to develop on the platform and then you'll give them the incentive of making money from whatever is they develop, now you have opportunities for all type of scenarios to come out. And, uh, you know, some of them will be trash, but other of them will actually be uh, pretty exciting. So uh, I, I find that aspect of it to be uh, pre- pretty cool. Um, the other thing is the more adoption you drive – um, you know, you, the better uptake you'll get. Because I was actually in the in the store the other day, and I was just talking to somebody about uh, you know automated sales and using uh, these cash registers, and they brought up AI. And clearly, they were a novice to the scenario, but they were actually kind of more scared about the the what you know what they think AI is going to do uh, for the world going forward. So when you have other folks that give them some cool uh, reasons to use it and leverage it, you probably dissipate some of that uh, some of that apprehension that some people may have embracing tech, this type of technology. So I think from both of those angles, this is a, actually a pretty smart move. Yeah, I mean, looking forward, and I know we're in early days here, I mean, this was all just announced, but the idea that there would be a store for an AI bot to help me live my life better that I don't know. I mean, maybe would be free. Uh, maybe would be, you know, for pay much like any app store is right now. You know, what do app stores do for us right now? Well, uh, apps, games, um, you know, photo stuff. I mean, there are a variety of things that, 
you do end up paying some money for, um, maybe some in-game purchases type thing. The idea of having a GPT bot that is in the marketplace that's, let's just say, because I'm kind of in the market for a new apartment right now, let's say there is a way, you know, for me to just apply for that apartment just better than I would otherwise. Like, this is the way to do it. You know, it just hits all the marks. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm going forward a few steps, but I can see where in many aspects of life, this is something that we're all going to be used to. And, you know, sooner than later. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah I think back to just like digital assistance. We don't really think about saying, Hey, keyword, um, and, and then getting an answer. It's going to be like that with, uh, you know, these, you know, these large language models, uh, you know, eventually we're, we're going to just get used to asking them questions and expecting that the questions that we ask are answered accurately and correctly. And the more people that are using them, the more data is go- there's going to be, the more data there's going to be, the better the outcomes are going to be based off of that data. So I, I think that, uh, you know, there are reasons that people should be concerned um, and they need to think about how am I going to use these things in the future? Future, how could it potentially affect my service-related job in the future? What skill sets should I should I should I maybe you know look into? But ultimately, I think you know for the most part, this is probably going to be good for you know for humanity as a whole. Yeah, you know, just the complicated scenarios that could probably be. I, I use Siri all the time when I'm cooking and I'm doing barbecue. Um, you know, especially when I have you know three or four things on the smoker and I got two things in the oven and I need to keep track of times and I you know I'm scatterbrained sometimes I'm just hopping all over the place and so I will definitely have Siri set reminders for me so when I know when to go check something or when to go sauce you know the, the chicken or the ribs that are in there uh, so being able to but I usually have to do that individually so you know somebody comes up with a chat GPT. That allows me to set these more complex alarms and uh, reminders. That's, those are type of things that come off the top of my head that I would definitely uh, love to leverage. Well, at uh, OpenAI's, again, inaugural Dev Day conference in San Francisco, the company also launched a Dolly API, Dolly 3 API, rather, with moderation uh, designed to help protect against misuse also a text-to-speech API that offers six preset voices and two model variants. OpenAI also announced something called Copyright Shield, meant to defend ChatGPT enterprise users and OpenAI uh, devs if they end up facing copyright infringement claims related to OpenAI apps that uh, that get built in the future. So, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff today. Um, and, you know, we'll be we'll be delving through a lot of it. And if there's anything that we haven't talked about today, we will certainly talk about on the show tomorrow. But I want to ask you, Chris, what you think about Toyota's new steer by wire system. It's calling the one motion grip because there's no mechanical link between the steering wheel and the wheels. Also has a 200 deg ratio instead of a 150 deg ratio that it had in the past. Uh, th- these are car terms, so of course I don't know anything about it. Designed to give the steering a smoother and more natural feel. Steer by wire will be offered on Toyota electric cars, uh, just a couple of them to start Toyota BZ4X and the Lexus RZ, which is uh, more of the uh, luxury model. 
Yeah, so I, I actually always find things like this uh, super interesting. Uh, I don't know if anybody needs that tight, uh, that greater turn radius uh, that uh, could potentially uh, be developed by this. But in the end, uh, I, I don't know if I know anybody that's ever had an issue with the with the steering where that you know the I guess the steering column just stops working. But clearly, this probably would allow for some more space inside of the engine compartment where they can probably do some other things because you usually have this long rail that goes from you know from the inside of the car down to the uh, axle. So. I don't know. I, I find it kind of interesting. Uh, Roger brought up a great point when we were talking earlier about this where, you know, it would be interesting to see if you lose the feel uh, that you and the feedback you get from the road uh, by not having that direct uh, connection to the wheel. So but that's something that would interest me. Wouldn't people say that about power steering? Is it different than that? You know, if you don't have power steering, then you, you know how to crank a wheel. But when, once you get power steering, you're like, is this real? Gosh, I'm not even trying anymore. I will yeah. I'll jump in real quick and say, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Rob, uh, that even though you have power steering, you still get the feeling of the tires from the front. So mm-hmm. whether it's the left or the right through through whether it's a solid axle, if it's 4 by 4 or if it's like independent, um, it still transmits into the steering column. So even if you have like a, a land yacht and you can drive with just a single finger on the steering wheel because the power power steering is like over boosted, you can still feel the road. You will not have a physical con- connection. It's like if you were driving a car with just push buttons on the dash, right? You wouldn't mm-hmm. feel other than like you know the suspension under your tush so they're gonna they're they're probably most likely adding artificial feel into it i would suspect that as well because mm-hmm. it's I really dangerous it be. not to ha- be able to know where your tires are pointed yeah because you would have to or, or you just develop the muscle where you just kind of more pay attention to you know how the how the car is moving versus where the wheel is oriented what do you think rob i think I, I agree with the uh, you know that people can feel it even if you lose your power steering, but I think that the angst is probably overstated. Roger, I, I, I fully agree with you. I think that they're going to probably add some feedback to this just so that you you at least feel like you feel it. Um, but th- th- these are issues that they, they need to fix. We, we've been flying planes, fly, you know, fly by wire for f- the better part of the last forty forty five years. I, th- I think they can figure this out in cars as well. And yeah. I, I will add real quick, uh, this technology has been, be, has been in development since the 80s, like the early 80s, since, since they developed fly-by-wire for cars or, or planes. It's like, be great if we could develop it for, for cars as well. And the original control was a joystick, like on a plane. And so people will the, – there, there was a show called Beyond 2000. It's an Australian show. Uh, and the, the, news, uh, the, the correspondent they had that drove the car was, like, really interesting – because you don't get the feel of the road through a through a stick; it's literally just like a giant joystick. And um, she was felt very unsettled uh, by the entire experience because normally, when you drive, at least when we drive as humans, currently when you drive, you feel everything. You feel it through the steering wheel, and you feel it in your body. But if that becomes disconnected, then you might. That's that's when you have problems. Yeah, and just just getting used to driving without the uh, use, using my brake. Uh, took me a, probably a good two months 
to finally develop a the muscle in my leg for it and b just to kind of feel for it and the ability to kind of feather your stops and all those things so i gotta imagine something a bit more drastic like that would you know would take a bit of time so yeah feedback makes sense hopefully they do something like that well <laughs> Rob, jinx. you and I, we, yeah, Jinx, you and me, yeah, a joke. I, I, uh, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and thank Chris Ashley because I know you're not going to. Uh, Chris Ashley, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm just joking because you and Rob do a show together, but you do a lot of stuff. So let folks know where they can keep up with your work. Yeah, definitely uh, check out uh, this episode of Barbecue and Tech that just went live yesterday because, man, if you like a good comeback story you can hear how i came back from absolutely almost destroying two briskets <laughs> at the same time oh and, you and you came back with meat yes wow. i came okay. back with meat i was on Woo-hoo. the brink of destruction and came all the way back so it was a pretty pretty fun story uh, but yeah come check us out on, on barbecue and tech also uh i really enjoy uh reading big cashly uh, when I read your Mastodon dot social account, Big Ashley, yeah, appreciate Big you, Chris Ashley, just That's flush that. with cash, like, you know, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> All right, patrons, stick around for the extended show because we have more of it. Good day, internet. We're going to be kicking around the idea of trust and safety for tech companies as a service rather than as an internal team. Pros and cons. There are many. But just a reminder, you can catch this show live Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 2100 UTC, because we are now in standard time in the U.S. for most states. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We're back again tomorrow talking about shore sensors with Dr. Nikki Ackermans. And by the way, if you have a biology or science question you would like Dr. Nikki to answer, send them to us, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com, and we'll see how many Nikki can answer on tomorrow's GDI. Good times. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.